Greetings, film fans. It's the weekend before the big time change. And Halloween. And Halloween. And the election. And the election. So, so that means a lot sp- of movies. We have will- spooky documentaries and spooky stories. We'll talk to Chris Clark from Cinema St. Louis in just a minute. And then we'll talk Borat, subsequent movie film. And then Over the Moon around minute 24. Around minute 31, Once Upon a Snowman. And then around minute 32, we'll talk to Joe Hanrahan about his one-man show, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. Then a movie called Shit House around minute 43. Then we'll talk to Chris about Sliff and the 50th Golden Anniversary series. And then Radium Girls around one hour and five minutes. We'll tease Synchronic, and then we'll talk about Bruce Springsteen's new video album, Letter to You, around one hour and nine minutes, and then we'll wrap it up with my birthday. Hi, Carl. How are you? I'm well, Lynn. How are you? Good, and we have an extra special guest today that we enjoy having uh, during the year, throughout the year, and it's Chris Clark of the St. Louis International Film Festival. I wish to be referred to as the spooky guest. (laughs) (laughs) You can be. That would please me. Well, you do have a Batman mask on, so. He's making stuff happen. Yeah. So uh, it is is really a hectic time, and who would think that we would have so many films this time of year before we get into November, which is technically awards season. So what do you want to start with, Carl? I think we should start with the Amazon Prime film that is making news. Yes making big headlines and that would be borat subsequent movie film even with, though every the hashtag is borat 2 but we're not supposed to call it borat no 2. they do not want us calling it Borat. yet 2. the hashtag that has been going viral is borat 2 well it opened on uh amazon prime today and uh the reason it's making headlines it because it has a scene with Rudolph Giuliani, the famous shirt tuck scene. Yes, and basically what's been going around the internets is just a still photo of a out of, let's see, out of context, but still creepy scene. Oh, he comes across as a creepy old man. He he does. Right off the bat. And I will say, the actress who plays Borat's daughter. Which might not actually be her real name or actually for... Because I've seen it. It's very Sasha Baron Cohen to find an an American actress and say that she's a Bulgarian actress. Right. She's Maria Bakalova. Or or not. (laughs) Or not. She was also referred to as Irina Novak. Mm -hmm. And uh, her uh, name in the movie is Tutar, but it's also Sandra Jessica Parker Sadiev. Right. Well, that's when they were doing that's when they're doing the uh, the debutante ball because they wanted to have like. American names. Oh, that's right. Oh, which is so uncomfortable. So do you want to talk about the movie itself or the scene? Let's talk about the movie and then we'll talk about the scene. Okay. Because I don't want the scene to overshadow the movie. True. And because when I watched the scene, I was not offended by it, except for one part. And it's not the part that everybody's offended by. Because I just, well, let's talk about the movie. It takes place 14 years after the original Borat film, which is in... It's a classic. It is, but it's not for everybody. If some people, it got annoying to a lot of people. My wife and all of this thing. The the catchphrases. Some people were just sick of. But it was 14 years ago, and it was done very well. You can't do anything like that today, as Sasha Baron Cohen has tried to in 
This Is America and in Borat's subsequent movie film. Right. He, the, now, what, what's different now is that we're in on the joke, and he has trouble disguising himself. I mean, he has trouble running around as himself. As Borat. Trying to be incognito because people recognize him. And you can tell in this movie who is in on the joke and who recognizes him because they have this smile that they're trying to suppress. Right. Well, one of the daughters at the debutante ball, she gets it. She knows what's going on. She tells her dad to screw off. In, in not so many words. Oh, that scene is so uncomfortable. So that's my Sasha, favorite scene. That's my favorite scene of the movie. Sasha Baron Cohen. Let's backtrack to 2006. British actor and comedian. The Ali G for, Show. The Ali G Show, which my boys loved. And, and that's where Borat and Bruno and the Ali G. That that that's all three of those characters came from that film, and they were or that show and there were three movies and Borat was the most successful of those movies he disappears into that character and it's easy for him and then he was in Talladega Nights as one of the drivers as the gay race car driver right and so you knew that he was actually an actor but in Borat he goes around as this reporter for Kazakhstan TV and he was in he's looking for Pamela Anderson (laughs) yeah to be his wife. This one, uh, he is in a gulag because he has brought great disgrace. To great his... shame to the nation of Kazakhstan. And so they haul him out of the prison and get him uh, into the... <laughs> they make... They mock... They're bringing... They, they find out that all these other countries are getting together with the president and they say, you know what? We need to get with President Trump. So let's offer him our ministry of... Educate or whatever the min- some a minister which happens to be a monkey, <laughs> right? And uh, they call him McDonald Trump. McDonald, well, because he mangles the English language always, right? And so uh, when the monkey die, they decide they're going to he's going to give his daughter, who's a stowaway, to Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that actually made the news when Sasha Baron Cohen disrupted CPAC, and they threw him out. But he wasn't dressed as Borat, and he wasn't dressed as Sasha Baron or anyone from This Is America. He was dressed as Donald Trump. Right. And so, so people didn't know that it was Sasha Baron Cohen. No, he gets away with a, a lot of stuff. Uh, his style is this parody of gotcha journalism. Mm-hmm. And he is a master at social satire. Yes. And he actually makes fun of the fact in the film that he can't go around his Borat anymore. And so there are a couple scenes of people running around, hey, Borat, my wife, uh, very nice. And he's running up and down the street and saying, no, it's not me, it's not me. And so he knows that he can't do this anymore. And so the girl playing his daughter does most of the heavy lifting in this film because they don't know her yet. And they, even though she goes from brunette to blonde in one scene, and that's the whole, the whole, uh, they're trying to Americanize this woman. So what they do with her is make her, <laughs> they have some very great parodies of Disney films when they're showing as Melania as Cinderella. And, and that's, who, that's who she aspires she to wants be. To, she wants to be Melania Trump and live in a golden cage, just like her hero Melania. And uh, she is sexualized in this movie. They, he goes to take She's her. a 26-year-old actress playing a 15-year-old. Right. Uh, they, uh, he goes to uh, uh, get her a boob job. Yes. 
and there's things like that. So basically, if you've seen Borat before, you know what you're getting into. Well, it wasn't as political back then. It was political making fun of uh, extreme conservatives. This one goes more after conspiracy theorists. It goes after QAnon. It goes after Holocaust deniers. It goes across uh, like the Masons and they're throwing these debutante balls. It's it is going after the right wing, but it's not going after like the majority of Republicans. It's going after extremists. Right. And uh, the people who think the Wuhan flu is a liberal hoax. And also he dresses up as a redneck at this picnic and it's uh, your stereotypical uh <laughs> MAGA Flag rally. waving MAGA rally. Well, he gets them to sing his, horrible lyrics. Oh, and the lyric is "chopped him up like Saudis do." Right. And yes. so, yes, it's it's not good. So there's a lot of that. So there is a lot. But you don't know how much of that is edited. They only show one guy singing that, so you don't know. You don't know how much you know. Is it now? Is because, true. There are eight screenwriters listed on this, including Cohen, well, that, Baron Cohen. But that means that he, that could possibly mean – I thought that too, and I said, ugh, eight screenwriters. But that just means that different guys might have come up with the different bits because there are different bits, just like a television show. Like a Saturday Night Live, someone has written the cold open, someone has written the monologue, someone has written the sketch. This is a series of sketches. Right. It's very choppy though, I will say. It doesn't flow like the first one. The no, fl- it, first one had a flow. Right. And this is very not that tough. I didn't like it. I'm sensing you did not care for it. No, I gave I gave it a B. All right. And the reason I gave it a B is because Sasha Baron Cohen is fearless. But I, I also admire that. I think she's great too. The whoever she is, because I don't believe it, she is who she says she is. It's just going to be like the Blair Witch Project, where we find out like six months later that they were all actors, even though we thought that they were at the time, but they all acted like it wasn't. We're going to find out in a couple months' time from now that she's from Brooklyn and she's not a Bulgarian actress, and that she has been in on the joke the whole time, and the joke's on us, which is very Cohen. Right. Well, it's definitely in on Rudy Giuliani, so we'll talk about that. But I do think the movie is equal parts offensive, yeah, outrageous, and funny, and hilarious. Yes, I, I I want to say that there is a through line, him delivering something to an American to give to Trump is the through line. First, it's the monkey. Then it's to Mike Pence. Then then they go down a list. Can we give it to this person? No, they're in jail. Can we put it there? No, they're indicted. And then they pick, finally, the person to get the gift to give to the president is Rudy Giuliani. And this took place in April. And even my conservative friends said, why the hell would Rudy Giuliani agree to do this? Why would he agree to be interviewed by a foreign journalist and be in a hotel room? Even even though it looks like they were alone, they weren't alone. There was probably at least five other people there. And it's it's a show called Patriot Reports. So right. how they manufactured this. They had to have put a lot of work in there yes. to do this. And it looks like, oh, it's just a, that's how it's supposed to look. It's 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 supposed to look st- that's that's how well done it is. It's supposed to look effortless, but I guarantee it took a lot of work to get an interview with Rudy Giuliani. Well, it does not per- portray not that anything he's done in the past couple of years has put him in a good light, but this really puts him in a bad light because he is shamelessly flirting with this he, young girl under the guise of 
Uh, it's her first. She play. She plays it off beautifully. Oh, this is my first interview. How am I doing? And so he's just trying to reassure her. And then he they have drinks, which is weird. And then Sasha Baron Cohen interrupts him and makes a great joke. Uh, you should stick to marrying your first cousins. Which and then I don't know if that's dubbed in later though, because he he kind of reacts to it, but he doesn't and. It's really well done. But when they're doing the interview, she says to him, shall we have a drink in the bedroom? And he follows her in. Yes, he does. He follows her in. That's not the weird part. <laughs> That's not the weird. He, he is taking off his mic pack. That That is and him reaching down his pants. He is just tucking down his shirt. He is taking off his mic pack and he is, first of all, he should have not been in a room with another. There were cameras all around that room and it's set up like that but the thing that creeped me out is when he puts his hand on the small of her back that was that was the creepy part not him tucking in his shirt not like he's reaching for his junk when he puts his hand on her that was the creepy part for me he granted he should not have been in that situation and he should know better but it's not as bad as people are making it out to seem it is creepy but nothing is weird and then and then something else happened, which you, I, they kind of ruin it by putting it in the media that he comes in in this uh, trans outfit. Uh, Fifteen, she's too old for you. Everyone has seen that now, which kind of ruins part of the movie, but it doesn't ruin the whole movie. It's uncomfortable, and it's not as what's the word I'm looking for, um, salacious as it seems. But taken out of context, I can see how it's going. And I'm not defending Rudy Giuliani. He should have never been in that situation. That's just dumb. But it's not as horrible as it is seem on the left media. Right. It's but it is creepy. It is creepy. And I, I, I admit that. But it was and I had I talked about this on a conservative radio station, and the 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 conservatives were still like why was he in the room with the... And I said, that I cannot explain. I can I can only explain it's not as bad as it looks, but it's still gross and it's still creepy. And that's not even the biggest shock of this movie, which I don't want to give away because it's the payoff still works in the last 15 minutes. That's not even the, that's not even the climax of the movie. The climax of the movie comes after that. And it's yeah. only an hour and a half film. And then which it, is yeah, which is it's good. The uh, what's surprising, and I hope this isn't your big payoff, is that it's a female empowerment film. It is a female. No, that's not that's not the payoff because we all know how Borat treats women, especially in the first film. He there's actually character growth in this film for Borat and the Kazakhstan women that are in. Um, downplayed in their role especially when every female child is born they get the parents get a book on how they should treat her which is that's a funny running gag too and even giuliani goes this book is horrible (laughs) well when when he has her in a cage in the beginning when he goes back and sees his children and the male children are in the house and i have changed my name i don't respect you i've changed my name to jeffrey epstein (laughs) There are quite a number of current references. And there is, there's also a lot of reading. Unlike the first movie where most of it was in English, there are, and if that's a real language, kudos to them that they did it 
in like half of it in a foreign language or if they made it up that's even stronger it was it was really well done especially they committed to this role at both roles because i don't know if that's a real language or not shikwe shikwe i know shikwe means uh thank you because you know that was in the first movie yeah what are we saying about the year 2020 if uh borat is uh, not as crazy as the year Exactly. And that's why the film ends with a vote thing, which if you didn't think it was political and you thought, oh, it's middle of the road, it's not middle of the road. And it ends with a thing to vote. And I think it I think it comes off with a good message. Chris, were you a fan of the first one? Yes. Um, You know, Lynn said earlier, I do believe he's fearless. And I've been racking my brain trying to think of any comic or comedian or comedic actor ever who you know there have been shock like you know, lenny bruce yeah there have been shock comedians and george things, carlin but but somebody that that puts it all together in his farce and still is fearless and politically oriented there's mm-hmm. not been one there's been bits and pieces of that in other people and you know the um the jackasses and stuff like that but they right. were idiots right he is they weren't trying to do anything he is it. trying to you know do relevant social satire mm-hmm. under the guise of this bizarre comedic things so you know how does you know I, I can't think of anyone who's ever been like him uh and so you know maybe um b2 is not a great success but it was made and mm-hmm. it still will make people laugh and think and um the fact that he gets away with it at all you know so it's not really true a crash grab right um, even if it's not great um well that some someone told i read a review that said Borat 2 is evergreen. This one is very of the moment. Right. And, but it's not you evergreen because that's, that's all. The first one is yeah. very George W. Bush second term. This is of the time. But this one is very right now. Right. And I, it was nominated for an Oscar for screenplay. And Sasha Baron Cohen won the uh, Golden Globe Glo- for Golden Best Globe, yeah. uh, Actor in a, in a Comedy. Comedy. So or you, musical. Have, you have that. <laughs> so, he is you know, one more irritant under the skin of the president. Uh, you know, so he's doing his part. Right. He's yes. doing his part well. Oh, so yes. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> yes. Cohen, uh, for doing that for all those other weird things like, and, you know, Dolly, Dolly G and, you know, Bruno. characters that he's been and, and, and have, and been, have I, been, you know, all part of the path. And I would even say that he this is more uh, this is America than it is Borat because and I love that Showtime show. And, and I, I know it can't go on because who the, is America? Uh, so, I'm sorry. I kept I keep saying the name wrong, but it was the Showtime show. Who is America? I thought that was really well done, but those characters will get the the Israeli trainer guy. You can't he can't do that anymore because enough people saw it, and now it's just like Borat or Bruno. He can't do it that much anymore. Right, and one of the things he wants to do is he does anti-Semitic humor because mm-hmm. he's Jewish. Because he's Jewish, but to a point, to a point to show how stupid ins- it is, it's insane it is. Like he has the cake decorated with Jews will not replace us. Mm-hmm. And well, he gets a cake baker to put that on a cake. Yes, yes. And now, then- now you only see her do it at the very beginning, and then it's finished. So that also could have been manipulated. It looks like she did it, but... With a smiley face. With a smiley face. And then, and we won't even talk about the baby cupcakes. Ugh. 
And then... That's a great scene, too, though. It is, though. The My double entendres, the double entendres and, and what About goes abortion. On. But uh, when he goes to the synagogue and uh, to meet with those uh, ladies, and he goes, uh, so so I did what all, you know, I just went to wait for the mass shooting. Mm-hmm. And, and one of those women has passed away, and the film is dedicated to her, and her family is not happy, and but... Sasha Baron Cohen's like she was in on it she knew what she was doing and she was proud of the work she did that's why the film's dedicated to her but I don't think her family has seen the film so you don't you know people get offended on even people that are helping to do the offending (laughs) their families are offended for this person who has passed away supposedly I I mean he's a very educated man yeah Uh, supposedly he's a soft-spoken guy like and he many was in comedians. your second favorite film of the year i know and he was great I know. he was he was good as abby hoffman and i would recommend uh everybody watch that performance now if you had to say would you rather have someone watch borat a uh, subsequent movie film or trial of the chicago seven well i think trial of the chicago seven is just such a brilliant frame of reference for what's going on in america yeah but so is this i know they're both they're both good it's just that it's a um, better movie. Uh, well, yeah. But it's not funny. Well, it's also true. Well, um, everything so, well, everything that Borat does is pretty much maybe. True. <laughs> it's 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 manipulated and he will not, he, he has great editors. And I I would imagine 75% of the things in the film happened as they were actually happening. Yeah. Well, the the i the 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 uh, smartphone mm-hmm. is pretty funny. But that guy's in on it, right? And then uh, what I what I never have liked about either film is when he mocks people that are not in on the joke that don't deserve it. Right. Like there are people that are you know the sacred cows they deserve it and that whole. Well, that's bit, like that's the Jay the Leno with, thing with, the, with Karen the the Karen the, the running of the Karens. <laughs> Is so hilarious, but uh, but the the people that deserve it, but the ones that don't deserve it, that's what I had issues with the first one. When these people, you know, it's just like they're just being the butt of jokes. So I have a little issue with that, but I don't think it's as much in this film because I think the people are willing participants. Now those guys in the basement bunker, the QAnon guys, the QAnon guys. I don't know. Um, they might be real. Are they, though? Because they really go along with everything. That- well, you know, it's like wrestling. Apparently, he's he's really good friends with John Cena, and he loves wrestling. And you know how wrestling, like, I thought that whole bit with uh, Andy Kaufman on Letterman was mm-hmm. real, and it was totally fake. No. So, yeah. So, the joke's in on that. I mean, well, he's provocative enough, and if you're going to mess around with the QAnon people, mm-hmm. well, you know— He's playing with sharp sticks yes. that, are, that are on fire already, uh-huh. and he's playing around in a you know playground filled with you know dynamite and gunpowder. So you got to tread lightly and not go too far. <laughs> but you know th- then that diminishes the power of the comedy. So you know, and what is the edge of the comedy, and when does it stop being funny and stop being mean? So and these people have to sign releases, or else they wouldn't be in the movie. You're yeah. right. So, that's what I thought. You know, of too. why was Giuliani on there? Why does Trump do anything? Now um, that can, that's news. But you know, you that's a he's a public figure. That ego of of need is you know to, to hear your voice heard no matter what. So but it you, gets addictive for 
right. that type of personality. But also, they also, when you do an interview like that, they have you sign a whole bunch of things that he'd be used to that he probably just signed yes. without yes. even looking at. But like these normal people, they have to sign releases. There are people that are their faces are blacked out in this and pixelated over. So there are some people that said no. <laughs> so I, you wonder who is in either after the fact or before. There are, and some people, and like you were just saying, some people are just, I don't care. I'll be in the movie. I'm, I, I said what I said. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if they, uh, if they're disciples of a reality TV show, host, right. <laughs> but no. then, then also they could. This, this is being filmed for news purposes. Could we have the release? And then you hear about that. I didn't sign that, but you really did. All right. So Lynn, let's move on. Do you want to talk about the, the animated film that made me happy or the the uh, indie film that I saw that I don't think you saw? No, I, I haven't seen a okay. couple of the things you saw. Um, we'll go, we're going to veer to family friendly. And family that friendly. Word is, is, that word is just so bleh, Because <laughs> I think this is a wonderful film no matter what age you are or... Has a great uh, voice or, cast. Or if you live alone, you know. It does. Over the Moon Netflix is uh, is uh, taken on Disney, mm-hmm. and they oh, trying, hired trying oh, to. Well, they hired away Glenn Keen, Glenn Keen, who drew The Beast, mm-hmm. Aladdin, and Ariel in Little Mermaid, and he won an Oscar for the Kobe Bryant short Dear Basketball. Yes, and he is a master illustrator, and he did come up with character designs for this. This is an all Asian or Asian American cast. It is based on a Chinese legend, a mythical moon goddess called Chang. And uh, she is voiced by Philippa Sue of Hamilton. Hamilton fame. And so she She's has She's a Skylar some, sister. Yeah, she has some songs. Hmm. So this is a plucky, independent girl, and it's wonderful. You see her grow from a little girl to a strong uh, teenager. And uh, she loves science, which is also Good to know. Wonderful. So her mother dies when she's young. Well, so it is a Disney film. Yes. No, it's not. It's a Netflix film. Well, you know, I thought of that too because the dead mom, you know. But okay, so her mother dies. The family runs a bakery. They make mooncakes. And the little girl loves to hear the, the story of Chang'e uh, from her mom. And so the mom dies. And then it takes up four years later. And the dad starts seeing... A woman who is voiced by Sandra O, oh, mm-hmm. and from Grey's Anatomy and Killing Eve, right? And the little girl won't have anything to do with her or her goofy son Chin. Her son Chin has this pet frog that's annoying, so the little girl just gets so upset. So she decides she's going to build a rocket ship to the moon to meet this moon goddess and, and so, talk so about the kids, one true love. The kids are Kathying. And Robert Chu. Right. Kids. They're right. kids. And Kathy Ang has a beautiful voice. She sings this Rocket to the Moon song that'll probably be the takeaway song, you know, like Let It Nominated. Go was from mm-hmm. Frozen. And we'll talk about that in a second. So she builds, so she has a pet rabbit named Bungie. Bungie the rabbit. And it's so cute. This it's is very so Disney. It's so cute. It just is adorable. And it's well drawn. And it has this cultural aspect of it that's be- gorgeous and beautiful. <laughs> and uh, so uh, the little girl uh, 
goes to the moon and unbeknownst to her, her brother, her her future brother, stepbrother, her future stepbrother, Ching. Tags along. Tags along. So it's, they got the frog and him and, and the, bunny. the bu- bunny and her. And they go to the moon and they land and there's all these weird creatures. And one of them is Gobi, who is voiced by Ken Jeong. Mm. And he's hilarious, as usual. Well, so do we have Masked Singer Ken Jeong or do we have uh, do we have Hangover Ken Jeong? We or- have Masked Singer Ken Jeong. She's, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the top, huh? Yeah. Well, he's like, oh, you're my new best friend, uh, besties forever. And, and he's just goofy. Oh, so not even he's community like, Ken Jeong. Yeah, he's like a he's like a blobby character. Gobi. Oh, oh, he's not even human. No, he's a okay. character. All right. And so, but he just adores this little girl. So uh, anyway, it's the whole moon goddess, and and it's about what's really deep in this movie. It's about loss and change and letting go. Mm. It's also an hour and forty five minutes, which is pretty long for a kid movie. So think about that. That 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 that's in a theme, you know. Mm-hmm. So she has to work through it. And after she gets back from the moon, she decides that her dad should be happy. Her dad is voiced by John Cho. Okay. And so it's all so it's a really nice message. It's a sweet story. It's got very vibrant visuals. It gets really busy up at the moon with it kind of looks like Trolls World Tour with like these massive colorful characters and they're all singing and uh they're just having these dan- they're very catchy dance songs. So it reminds you of that. But I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I highly recommend it. And, you know, uh, last year, Netflix did that Klaus movie that I really yeah, liked. That was their, movie. Yeah, that was their first animated movie. And then they've done the Willoughby, so now this is their big push. Okay. Um, the, the writer of this movie, this is it's Audrey Wells, who wrote The Hate You Give, and she passed away. She died of cancer, like, two years ago right so that is they is it dedicated to her yeah in her memory so that's a kind of a a little personal part of the story that that happened but so she was probably working with glenn well because animation takes so long she might have been alive when they started this yeah she was okay she was because they talked i was in a q a Mm -hmm. about the film and they talked about her being part of it from the get-go and uh, that uh, they worked with her. And then there was an additional screenwriter that came on after she she died in October That's last year. 2018. Or, yeah, the year. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Time means nothing anymore, remember? It's 2020. I know, I know. So, I would recommend that. And then you have the new Disney animated short. I saw Once Upon a Snowman. So, you know, okay, so let's go back to the original Frozen. The original Frozen. Uh, Elsa, while she's singing "Let It Go," creates Olaf, and then we and then you don't see Olaf until she meets Anna and Kristoff, and uh, they're they're later, and you don't know what ha- all of a sudden he's made, and then you don't see him for a couple scenes later. This tells the story of what happens to Olaf. It's kind of like Lion King one and a half, which was the story of uh, Timon and Pumbaa when they weren't with uh, Simba. So this is everything that happens to Olaf between Elsa to Anna. And you find out why he likes summer 
why he likes warm hugs and why he is who he is. And oh. it's it's a, it's a seven minute short and it's cute. And as our buddy Max said, some nerd will edit this into their version of Frozen to make it perfect for them. And I thought it was cute. It's I, I wondered why he feels this way. I wonder why uh, Anna has to give him a nose. Why all these things about Olaf. And people love Olaf. Hey, everybody. Someone's calling. But it, but it's cute. Hi, Joe. It's not September, did, it's October. I know, I didn't change my ringtone after a September. Uh, we're going to talk to Joe Hanrahan right now about his one-man show. Well, let me let me just let me just sure. finish this. It's on Disney Plus for free right now and you can watch it for free. Well, if you have Disney Plus. It's not like Mulan where you have to pay an extra $30. They released it um, just in time for all the kiddies to watch it right now. Oh wow. It's like a little once upon a snowman gift. on Disney Plus. All right. So we're going to have Joe Hanrahan talk about his one man show, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. The Eric Bogosian play. I'm going to put you up to the mic, Joe. Okay. You have to t- put the speaker button on. Oh, yeah. So I then we can hear him. Hi, Joe. Hi. So uh, tell us about your rehe- you are rehearsing to open a winter opening night. Next so week. This week. So, yes, coming up. so tell us why you, I know you have canceled a couple things this year. So tell us about your journey in trying to produce a show in times of pandemic. Yeah, I had several things scheduled in the fall and I kept kind of jockeying around with them, moving one back. And as we got closer, I had one show in October, actually, which was going to take this slot opening next week, which had a cast of five. And so we kind of knew early that that probably wouldn't work, and we rescheduled that for 2021. Uh, then another show I had, I kept moving back. Uh, uh, it was supposed to happen in August, moved that back to 2021. But um, I still had some hopes for a September show. This was kind of in August. I was going to do the Harry Truman one-man show, Give Him Hell Harry, and I really wanted to do that for, uh, you know, political purposes. But... Um, um, and a window opened right about that time. The, the Kranzberg said the uh, city of St. Louis was open to one-time proposals for perhaps doing an indoor arts performance. And at the same time, the Missouri Arts Council started their Missouri Arts Safe program in which uh, uh, an artistic, uh, an arts group could get uh, certified as art safe if they went through the training and, and knew what all of the uh, parameters were. So, but it was a little too late to get have Truman happen and it was going to be in the wrong space this is going to happen in the Kranzberg black box it was going to be a little too late for the broad political effect I hope I was hoping the show might have so I still had the thing open the slot open at the Kranzberg black box and I and I had I was certified to you know do a show possibly uh, and so um, I I decided well I'll, I'll do a one person show that's the only show that can really safely happen at this time indoors and I've done several, but I, kind of, I started looking at uh, scripts I've done before, and this one just kind of jumped out at me. Not only the brilliance and humor of the writing, but also it seemed to really work for right now. It uh, it dealt with a num- it deals with a number of issues that we're all dealing with beyond the pandemic, and and it really uh, kind of had a ho- overall umbrella of hypocrisy. You know, the characters in it, the men that Bogosian portrays in the show, are all delusional and critical <laughs> and, and I thought it was a very you know kind of a good thing to kind of 
in a subtle way beyond the entertainment value get across um, to, to everyone these days. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, you know, at the last minute, we kind of talked to the city, and the city, despite everything they're having to do, listened to us, and they said, yeah, we think this can happen. So we've kind of been approved by everyone to do this this production, and the way I like to look at it is I think it's going to be a very safe experience unless the president shows up. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you have to follow the crowd guidelines, and, and uh, you're making the audience wear masks, correct? Yes, yes. I had, I had to write my own COVID plan. Uh, to get uh, uh, a certified art safe, uh, and it's kind of a plan within a plan. The Cranberg has one. It's uh, it's going to be a, a reduced capacity seating, only 20 people in the theater. Wow! Um, uh, if we get that many, um, masks for everyone. It's going to be a touchless experience. Uh, all tickets have to be reserved. You walk in, you just say your name, you go right into the theater. It'll be open early. Uh, no, nothing to touch. Our program will be online on my website. So. Uh, you know, we think it's uh, one of the safer, you know, indoor experiences that can happen these days. Oh, good. And how many uh, performances are there going to be? There's going to be seven. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, open on the 29th and close with a matinee on Sunday, November 8th. Okay, so it's it's like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah, uh, yeah, for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the first weekend, and then one Sunday matinee on the 8th. Oh, okay. Okay, good. And... Uh, uh, why do you, uh, why do, uh, do you like this uh, show? Why why do you think people will enjoy it? Well, I'm kind of steeped in it a little bit. You know, I've done uh, sev- a couple several other scripts. Uh, the first one man show I ever did was Drinking in America, and this goes back a couple decades. Uh, and at the time, you know, the only one person shows that were happening anywhere on the scene were, you know, big stars playing big names like uh, Julie, Julie Harris playing Emily Dickinson, <laughs> James Whitmore playing Truman, and, and uh, Will Rogers, those kind of things. Uh, but uh, Eric Bogosian had done a show called Drinking in America, and he was one of the first to start to get recognition, him and Spalding Gray and some like them, that started writing these shows, more personal themes and more social issues. So I've done that show. I did uh, Pounding Nails in the Floor with My Forehead, and I did uh, <laughs> I've done uh, sex, drugs, and, and I also did. I think we were the only company in the country. At one point, Bogosian was doing something he called the worst of Bogosian. He was doing a Ted Knight stand at the Signature Theater in New York, doing 10 solos at night. And Midnight Company, we were looking to do something at that time, and we thought that'd be fun. And we, there was no rights because he was just doing his own kind of menagerie stuff. So we wrote his agent, and his agent passed it on to Bogosian. And he wrote us a note back, and he said, you guys have done everything else. Go ahead and do this. So, oh. um I've always loved his work. Uh, I, I think it's just, you know, it's knife-sharp kind of uh, satire. Uh, and all of his shows are similar, his, his, his solo shows. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, 12 different characters, uh, different, usually American men, who just are just beyond themselves with, you know, caught up in their own glory and, and, and what they think is right. But in, in doing so, I think it really touches on so many things that all of us deal with. And it's, it's, it's blisteringly funny and, 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 and really, uh, really uh, entertaining show, I think. I love that show. I have it, I have it on uh, the, I have the cassette version of the audio because he released that as an album. And I have that. It's a great show. 
Yeah, Bogosian, you know, so you can could, you could find his work in a few different places, but, uh, and, you know, Bogosian is a, you know, accomplished artist. He's also an actor. You've seen him on several talk radio TV series and films, and, uh, and he's a novelist, and he's even written his first nonfiction book fairly recently. So he's, he's continuing to work, uh, you know, uh, within our uh, culture and contribute to it. Wasn't he in Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems. Yeah, yes, he was. Yes, he was a bad guy in Uncut Gems. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was also most recently in a, uh, the series, uh, HBO series Succession. He was uh, kind of a advisor to the, the main guy in that. Oh, that that's thing. right. That's right. First season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. He yeah. was one of the media consultants. Exactly. Or, yeah, 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 one of the political operatives. Yeah. yeah he pops up a lot. Well, I think I saw you do this show years ago in the basement of Balaban's. Is that right? That's right. That's the last time I did it. Rachel Tibbetts directed it at that time. John Wolbers is directing this one. But, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, the last time we did it. That was an intimate experience. It was a lot of fun. This one will be a little more distance, but uh, but hopefully just as much fun. Yeah. How, what What's it like in these days to try to rehearse theater in uh when we have all these restrictions? Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's a little bit of an emotional, uh, you know, strain. I, I got to tell you, the, uh, you know, when we, we've been in very, very uh, sparse rehearsals. We have the director in a mask. I don't wear a mask, but I've been rehearsing for him. We've had a couple of our folks that have had to show up in masks, sitting distanced and watching the show, the lighting designer, so he can prepare his work, the stage manager, et cetera. But for the most part, it's been just me and the director. And then next week, we'll have a few, uh, you know, very carefully planned tech rehearsals with everybody in masks, except me. But, I, you know, I, I think there's something in this whole pandemic with all of us having to, like, lay back. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, I've got count a little lazy <laughs> it's kind of like oh I'm, I'm here I just want to lay I just want to continue Netflix flicking and chilling you know but uh, so you got to kind of get yourself up for this it's not like uh, you know there's a whole bunch of shows going on and you're part of the whole scene it's like well okay I'm going out and I'm gonna I got to do this so it's 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 not easy uh, you know kind of bringing yourself to that point where you you got to get out and perform well break a leg and I look forward to uh, uh, seeing it and and uh, best of luck. I'm glad you're getting out there. I mean, I've seen plenty of Zoom things, you know, and so, yeah, yeah. so it'll just, it's just such a weird year, you know, yep. and pe oh, of course, yeah. people got to create. Yeah, yeah I, I know, you know, and I, I've, uh, you know, someone, uh, you know, wrote me, uh, a, a critic wrote me and said, oh, you know, I'm glad, you know, I got this <laughs> urge to perform. And it's not really, I don't really have an urge to perform, but. What, what I, you know, I do have, like, I, I like telling stories. I like sharing stories. And that's what I'm missing more than anything. It's like, hey, let me bring you this interesting story that you should see. It's, uh, but, you know, I really don't have the urge to perform. And I've done some Zoom things, but that doesn't really satisfy <laughs> many itches. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks for uh, letting us know about it. And uh, we'll, be in, we'll be in touch. Okay, thank you very much. You take care. Thanks, Joe. You too. Bye. Bye, everybody. So that's Joe. Yeah. So seven performances at with 20 people. I know. And he's he's really good at those one-man shows. I really enjoyed this when I saw it years ago, and he does quite a few of these shows. He also directs and does it, and he was in Do Daddy Dog. Mm -hmm. Yes. He was the guy in the trench coat. Well. The orange soda dude. 
let's let's talk about a film right now that is among that kind of indie kind of feel that Eric Bogosian goes with. This film won uh, Best Picture at South by Southwest this year. It's called Shit House, which <laughs> which is a stupid name for this movie. It, it the name of that name, which I'm going to try not to say a lot, is that's the name of a fraternity house. That's the name of a fraternity house where the writer, director, producer Cooper Rafe in his directorial debut, that's a, where he meets this girl played by uh, Dylan Jalula, who she was on uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and she's playing this college girl, and they meet, and he, I really, <laughs> I really related to this film because, like, every time, when I was in college, every girl you meet, maybe this is the one. <laughs> and so he, she's just like, wants to have a good time and then the next morning he's like hey do you want to have coffee and she's like uh you can leave now and so he's but he keeps like he doesn't have her phone number so he keeps dming her on instagram and sends her like 50 and then his roommate played by logan miller is like dude what are you doing and it's just it's just how awkward college love is and the movie is awkward college love too because it's very independent. In fact, there's a I I had to rewind and make sure that because there's a jump cut that just comes out of nowhere. It looks like it's just totally. Uh, I thought I was missing a scene because all of a sudden they're talking on the sidewalk, and then the next second they're immediately they're in an Uber with no explanation. And maybe that's how the night is. Maybe that's stylistic. Maybe that's how the night is supposed to be going for them. And it, it was just odd and weird. And then it it becomes cute and everyone grows. And I understand why it won Best Picture at South by Southwest. And I, I enjoyed it. I just think it has a very unfortunate name. Yeah. I Yeah. And uh, what studio is promoting? It's IFC. So it got, you know, it wins, it wins uh, Grand Jury Prize for Best Narrative Feature at South by Southwest. And so IFC is like, perfect, we'll, we'll promote a movie with a title we can't promote in anything. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, good for them because they're the ones that will. Right. Um, they're, they don't have fear about <clears throat> artificially changing a name. You know, right. they'll, they'll put it out as is. But that's they, not the, that's, the, yeah. the name is, that's also kind of like Uncut Gems. Speaking of that movie, that movie is Uncut Gems is very a minimal part. They only go to this fraternity house once. And so it could have been named anything else but that. But I'm glad uh, Cooper Rafe stuck to his guns and said, you know what? I want to name my movie this. And he did. And this this is a movie I was probably it was probably making the festival circuit. South by Southwest went uh, virtual. They were going to cancel, mm-hmm. and they said, you know what? We're going to still virtual. And Chris knows all about trying to schedule a film festival in the world today. I know a thing or two. <laughs> well, you're coming up on your second round of it now, right? Because a lot of things were canceled at the beginning of the year, and now you have to per, uh, go for this year and next year. Yeah, well, this is virtual round four for us actually because well, this happened, you have so many events this happened we have a lot of other events and we 
<clears throat> feel grateful for a lot of things, first of which is that we have jobs mm-hmm. as an arts presenting organization in this crazy time when, you know, Joe's with the theater group and all those, you know, hoops we could not have sustained because of the many costs involved in putting on a, a film festival. We could not have done, you know, having just 20 people in the Tivoli Theater, for example, we would lose all of our money. Right. Um, so we had other events um, that we weren't sure how we were going to accomplish them, and we did them one by one. This year, the first up was our Q-Fest event, which we moved by an entire month. But it was its best attendance ever Yeah, in 12 years. The showcase was its best attendance, I think, ever, mm-hmm. um, partly because we had the uh, America's Last Little Italy documentary, and we sold tickets all over the world. Ugh. Um, that was so good. Uh, people keep asking me, well, where can we see it now? You can well, see now it can, yeah. in uh, a little less than two weeks. Uh, re- reprise at the St. Louis International Film Festival. And then um, <clears throat> the long-awaited DVD release for uh, a lot of the Target demo still has DVD players. Well, yes. Entrenched in their systems. But no. They're all the, octogenarians. Yeah. The, but the film will be released just in time for the holidays. He's been waiting for the festival screening uh, to accomplish. And uh, I, I asked you to see that. And... Everyone that I told that I got to see it, they were very jealous of me because, and I and I told them, I said, "Well, you can see it in the film festival." And so now I can tell them that again. And it's a very easy process. Mm-hmm. This event is it eventive? Eventive. Um, so you know, just uh, for people that are, haven't uh, bellied up yet, um, we have a secure streaming portal. That it there are some extra steps to get it from your phone or your device to your TV. And in some cases, it's harder than others. Um, ask a teenager uh, to be helpful. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of ask your instructional PDFs and maybe a video or two from us and from Eventive figuring out how to do it. But chances are in the past two or three years, you've learned how to stream things to your TV. Or in the last um, four months. <laughs> they did not have Roku as part of their bundle previously, but just now do. So <gasps> many more people. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, so it's not as easy as getting a Vimeo link and somehow clumsily getting it onto your you know uh, desktop on your mm-hmm. computer and then pushing a password in, in place. Not quite that easy. But once you get it set up once, then it's done. It's more secure for the filmmakers and distributors because it's behind a DRM, digital rights management, Ooh. secure wall. Um, so we don't touch physically touch anything anymore, which is strange because usually this time of year I'm touching boxes of films. And, and they come, they the uh, UPS or FedEx or DHL guy comes and they're giant reels of film. Well, it used to be, you know, in my 20 years, I used to have, you know, one film would... One 90-minute film would be two film cans. That'd be about 40 to 50 pounds and two separate cans. And each one, you'd need to like line mm-hmm. them up exactly. Now it's a giant and hard drive. Now it's giant hard drives. And now this year, I don't, I didn't touch a thing. You don't have to do anything. Um, because do you like it better that way? <laughs> my job responsibilities this year are significantly <laughs> smaller. Because also we're not having parties and I didn't right. do plane tickets or hotel reservations or carrying speakers or setting up our, our host here. Uh, uh, their big party they do for us every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, so nothing like that. I got that. to go to that last year. Um, so it's been fun. really it's, easy, it's... Um, but also other challenges because I can't stand in front of a theater with excited people and talk into a microphone and, and talk about, you know, the passion we all have for film and listen to multiple voices talking post a foreign film in the lobby of the, you mm-hmm. know, the uh, Plaza Frontenac. So, so many experiences aren't there. But it's going to work well enough. You know, we don't have 
expenses of renting theaters and printing programs. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're whittling away about a, over $100,000 in expenses of having a live event, probably closer to 150. Wow. Maybe higher of things we're just not doing and can't doing. So our loss of that type of stuff, you know, kind of offsets any loss of income. But I think we're built for speed. You mm-hmm. know, we don't have a lot of huge star-laden Hollywood tentpole th- things like we normally do because it doesn't work as well with us, you know, at our level. We're a, we're a regional festival. So, you know, New York Film Festival and, and uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, Venice and things like that. Right. Have, in, in, in Toronto, had, in Toronto had a yeah. big virtual presence. Um, and other, other things like geoblocking. You know, most of our stuff right. is limited to Missouri and Illinois, but we have a, a whole bunch of films that are available all over the United States. Some films like America's Last Little Italy that are available all over the world. So we've already have, you know, sold a bunch of tickets already. Um, we have 57 free programs again this year. Um, one of them is my favorite film from last year. The Farewell is going to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that's my even though I even though I put Parasite, which was my number two film of last year, into my decade list, I still had The Farewell as my favorite film last year because last year it was my favorite film. And you're still going to have local people involved because the closing night, I guess you can still call it closing night, right? Or uh, you're going to have the documentary Zappa, which is directed by Alex Winter. Yes. Um, you know, St. Louis' a- own. Once again, um, <clears throat> by the magic of the world and the, the power of the magnetic power of the arch that lures talent mm-hmm. and art to our fine city on both sides of the river. Um, <clears throat> a lot of St. Louis connections. Um, again. He's had a good year. Yeah. Alex Winter. Sh- yeah. Yes. Uh, Showbiz Kids. Yeah. And Bill and, uh, Ted. and and Zappa, it's going to be on Showtime at the end of uh, November. But if you uh, want to watch it at the St. Louis International Film Festival, um, you can see it ahead of time. In a recorded Q and A done with uh, Dan Durkholz, I think from the Post Dispatch. Uh, Post Dispatch. Uh, there's <clears throat> um, other connections include um, the big winner from the showcase this summer, the the darling indie feature, Easy Bake. Mm-hmm. Um, is back in the new Filmmakers Forum Emerging Directors Competition. A nifty little head-banging, altered states-like <laughs> sci-fi thriller called Minor Premise, stars uh, an actor from St. Louis. I had a great Q&A with him and the director uh, the other day. Uh, and there's other uh, local connections, too. And um, Ken Quapis. Ken Quapis mm-hmm. is going to do a, a directing masterclass Ooh. Uh, for free. Uh, one of the many free events uh, that we're doing. So it, we're doing the same things that we do every year, a few less films and a few less big Hollywood star things that honestly you'd see in two weeks or less anyway. Yeah. So the level of discovery and you know our love of passion for the very best in world cinema is, is there. Uh, Cliff works so hard at the documentary component, as you know. Um, our documentary and narrative shorts are both Academy sanctioned. Yes. Um, so the winners of the top prizes in those two categories can then submit directly to the Academy for Oscar consideration. Um, sometimes it gets, sometimes it works. Well, St. Louis Superman. Yes. Got mm-hmm. a big, uh, big uh, push from yep. the St. Louis International Film Festival yes. to, to the world stage. 
And uh, there are some really good documentaries that uh, you have lined up, Ask No Questions mm-hmm. and MLK F- slash FBI. By, you know, Sliff alum and guest and uh, honoree uh, Sam Pollard. So there's some, it's a good lineup. I'm really excited about it. And I think it, it gives you more time to plan out because in previous years, you'd be running like, oh my God, this is at Plaza Frontenac at this time. Uh, this and one's this at WashU. This one's are, at Zach. There are a handful of things that are only like on this set of days or this weekend or this, this week, but we expanded and we're 18 days instead of 11 so, you know, I think the model is really going to work. And, you know, once you rent something and open it, you have like a day or two to watch it. Um, well, people are trapped at home. Um, so we're not going to really have any big virtual dance parties or anything like that. <laughs> it just didn't make sense to us as a small organization. I know other, you know, arts groups and bigger festivals try to do something like that to mirror what you would normally do. But we'd rather people spend that time to watch another movie. Right, and uh, the uh, there'll be more drinking another day. Yes, um, you can drink from home right now for for goddamn sure. Like <laughs> say, and, uh, if I can quote Young Frankenstein, so uh, <laughs> you still have three more golden anniversary months still in this year. Well, technically two and a half, but three. You have the, the three October more, one. three more Mondays. Yes, yes, and so uh, are you. Have you planned ahead to move, movies from nineteen seventy one yet? Um, that's one of Cliff's pet projects. I'm, I'm sure he may be working on a list somewhere in his head, but he'll probably get dive in further. Um, oh, soon, someone else is calling. Um, you know, early next year, um, as we're, you know, I we're we're almost certain we're going to do. All it's of it's our been good, in, at least in part, mm-hmm. will be virtual next year. And as we just try to keep ourselves busy and doing this, we moved this from the public library where it normally is right. to this online presence and the attendance. During the events themselves, the live stream, the mm-hmm. live part of it is pretty small. There's never been more than like a dozen or 15 or so. Usually it's like 8, 10, 12. But we put them on our YouTube channel later. And a then. lot of people mm-hmm. go back on the you – know, so, you know, linear time, like you would joke, mm-hmm. sometimes doesn't mean it doesn't as much. Mean anything. And it doesn't. And people have been learned to adapt that, you know, if, if something's recorded – um, of course, you'd like to see it live, but, mm-hmm. you know, live doesn't mean live anymore. And you can still get the same love of enjoyment. So we'll have... It's know, a movie. It's, we have 100 <laughs> people who have seen one of the earlier talks already mm-hmm. that there were only like a dozen or so that were live. But over 100 have seen it already. So that kind of thing. We're just building our resume and our library. Um, we're grateful to have jobs. Subscribe, please. Yeah. Subscribe. Click and subscribe. I'm so, I'm really enjoying that that you have that access afterwards because sometimes you just have a schedule that you can't make the mm-hmm. 7 p.m. Monday. Slot. Or they hear about it later and yeah. say, "Oh, I want to check that out." Right. So that's like the the on uh, 2020 the ABC show they kicked it off with this John Lennon special. And I totally missed it, so it's on demand. Mm-hmm. So yay! And a lot of my function for the um, for the golden anniversaries and a lot of the master classes. Um, this is a different year for me because usually you see me a lot with yeah. a microphone and saying something loudly to groups of people. I'm in the mist this year, and it's okay. I'm happy about it. We all I'm, are. I'm I'm, behind, I'm the man behind mm-hmm. the curtain this year. I'm the wizard that I sit there and I'll relay the chat messages and push the buttons and start the recordings. And you know what? It's nice. It's, re- it's really kind of nice that I'm, you know, weirdly enjoying this non-people aspect to it. <laughs> um, 
It's we're been, all playing our parts, and you know we don't have as we lost some sponsors, we gained some sponsors. Well, we're gonna it, be okay. We're some going some to be are, okay. Some are better to be online anyway. And yeah. and it's the new normal. What are you gonna do? This is there's no fault of your. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like there's nothing we can do about it. This is the best. So you you're have making taken, the best of a bad situation. Yeah, made, taken lemons and made with, lemonade. I've had conversations with humans and filmmakers, um, which mostly are hu- humans as well. Mm-hmm. Most, <laughs> mostly, I don't want to don't want to. Do, differentiate too much yeah but, but don't piss off uh, uh, skynet uh, i think i've had more fun conversations face-to-face quote-unquote with people mm-hmm. this year than i normally do because i'm you know kind of a hermit and i'm at home and just watching stuff in my office by myself a lot but i've had face-to-face zooms and conversations with people that have been super fun and people all over the world that wouldn't have been our guest otherwise um during the showcase i did 55 interviews in a week and i had a blast it was like I had a, like a you know as a talk show host, mm-hmm. um, which you can tell that I enjoy you're, that kind of stuff. <laughs> you're doing well. Yeah. So you know we're making the best of it, and we're we're happy to survive. We think the quality of what we have done is the same as always. Um, so you know you got plenty of time to watch a lot of great stuff. Like I said they have 57 free things. A lot of the documentary shorts are all free. A lot of the human rights stuff is free. The Dave Chappelle event on mm-hmm. opening night is free. 846. 846 is, is documentary, which is the time he was born and the time uh, of that George Floyd. The knee on the neck. The knee on the neck. Um, so it had a lot of resonance to him. And he, you know, he's a very controversial person. My partner is not a fan at all. Um, and Even of Chappelle's show, the um, original TV show? It's, it's hard for her to separate... Some of the some of the stuff that comes out of Chappelle's mouth mm-hmm. that's homophobic and transphobic and, and yes. different. There's some of the incendiary stuff that he says, but he's that level of comedian who tries a lot of stuff. But you know, this is from the heart, so you know, I get he's it. offensive to a lot of people. Yes, but this is a different topic, you know. And and how do you separate, you know, like the, the Polanski, art from the, the artist, the Polanski and the Woody Allen question, yep. sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you separate those things too? But in this case. You know, it's a black man talking about a very public execution of another black man. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the, the co-directors are going to are part of the conversation, and um, he himself, Dave Chappelle himself, thought it was important as they're trundling this thing across festival land this year that it was important that it played in St. Louis because this uh, is where we mm-hmm. got international attention. Yes, um, that's why Stevie Wonder ago. came yeah. here. Yeah. So are we going to be part of the solution after all? Jesus, um, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, But things like this, little bits and pieces. So, you know, everyone has a perspective and a voice, even if everyone doesn't agree with it. I understand. And you're using technology to the best way you can this year. Yeah. And people can stay safe. And I don't think, you know, who would really enjoy having 40 people separated by tape in a big theater, that would just—I think—that would be a dumb experience. Well, that's it would that, not be the same for a typical festival. You want to be, you know, snuggled in and smell somebody's jalapeno fries and and laugh along talking. with somebody yeah. laughing. Yeah, it's not funny. Like watching a comedy, as you know, well, mm-hmm. it's hard sometimes. You, is this funny? You can't, you know, audience of one. How how can you tell? Exactly. So what's funny to you might not be funny to someone else. But if sometimes when you're in a theater and you're watching a comedy and everybody else laughing, sometimes you laugh at something you didn't think you'd be laughing at because the rest of the crowd thinks it's funny too. 
Or the day um, back in the late 80s when I was still living in Pittsburgh and I saw a Sunday afternoon matinee of this film. And as I left, the crowd was silent. But I was laughing my head off as I left the theater from watching Blue Velvet. <laughs> the audience <laughs> Lynch. of mostly seniors did not think it was as, as witty and clever as I did. But Probably I had not. a great time that day. Um, so even though you're running and doing all these things, are you still getting to watch film? Sure. What, what was the latest thing that you've watched that you recommend to everyone? Uh, the, the, literally the last thing that I watched was um, The Witches. Really? Yes. I watched it oh, last night. Oh, it just came on. Yeah. It just started last night on HBO Max. It was great. Uh, I've always been a doll font fan. I love the original Witches. Mm-hmm. This one's a little truer to the original text. Still goofy and over the top. And Hathaway's fantastic. Uh, a really great... Uh, film. Well, um, we haven't seen it yet. Be- before yeah, that, though, you, I'm glad before you that, though, is I, before I interviewed the, the actor, um, Satya Sridharan, um, the star of Minor Premise, the film I was talking about earlier with the local connection, um, I watched that uh, the other day before I interviewed him, and it was just you know a great show. Do you know anything about this movie that came out today called The Empty Man? Because it was filmed in Edwardsville and Chain of Rocks Bridge, and also it has a screenwriter that's local. But we did not get access to it. No. That could mean. And that's fine. <laughs> any number of things. And, you know, there's well, a lot nobody, of people working independently on their own. We asked a lot of people, and they're like, oh, what is that? And then some, I think Max said he'd heard about it, but. He wasn't granted access to it either. No, I asked Disney. It's a Disney movie of all things, really? and I yeah, and I and I asked for access, and I never heard back. That, so that yeah. sometimes says that they don't have a lot of faith. They're just kind of getting it off the off the shelf. Right. It, one thing I noticed this year: some of the dates on movies is like 2018. Yeah, all right. They're just cleaning, up, cleaning up their library. Well, yeah, and they don't want to spend a nickel extra on it, even sending an email. Uh, or anything. So. Exactly. Uh, that, that Jason Blum movie, the first one, uh, The Lie, that's a 2018 movie. And The War with Grandpa's from 2018. But that was that's due to the uh, the Weinstein company being well, Weinsteined. Well, I have a movie from 2018 to talk about. It's called Radium Girls, and it stars Joey King and Abby Quinn. Wait, Joey King is also in The Lie. On <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and it's a composite uh, characters. It's about uh, 1925 and labor uh, reform, and it's produced by Lily Tomlin and Jane Wagner. Oh, is this the women who made the watches? Yeah, I've, I've heard about these people, and they all died some pretty gruesome deaths. Oh, it's hor- it's horrible. It's so it's a historical drama, but it's also a labor reform. So people that are interested in this, it's video on demand. And it is uh, takes place in Orange, New Jersey. They are uh, workers at a factory called American Radium, and they paint the dials of these watches with radium. Oops! <laughs> radium to make them glow. Mm. So the women are told that if they lick the brush, it will give them a finer point. And Which s- is true in the painting world, <laughs> yes. painting art, but you know, but they, you don't know radio, they don't know how bad radio radioactive. Is. So these two sisters, they live with their grandpa, their parents are, de- and their sister has died three years earlier f- from 
Now they find out radium poisoning. But the other, the first, the one sister's getting really sick. Joey King's character does not lick her brush. Mm. So she doesn't have as good an output. Okay, so yeah, but she she can do twice as many because she lives longer. Yeah, it's all female workforce, and it just shows you it's it's a very ham-fisted film in terms of wrong and right. Like the evil characters are really evil, like the guy that owns the factory, and the dialogue is clunky. It is directed by Lydia Pilcher, Lydia Dean Pilcher, and she did a Call to Spy, which mm-hmm. we watched a couple weeks ago. Yes. And, uh, I was denied she, that film, by the way. Really? She, she's the lead in that movie. Wait. No, Lydia isn't. She's the director. Oh, and she the was writer. the. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. She's the director and the writer. So. Uh, Stonicotic was in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's about this toxic, toxic workplace, and they have all these black and white archival, uh, you know, film footage, which adds historical qualities to the film. But then they have these subplots that are stupid they have a young photographer who wears a little communist pin and joey king is drawn to him as a rebel and uh he's recording the uh photography of the age Mm -hmm. and then uh, there is a black activist woman who gets uh, who gets on board but they get hooked up with this uh labor activism group consumer i'm gonna write consumer something you know if you consumer were league. if you were a hundred years older you'd know this because it would be of the time i know consumer league and uh they go to bat getting so the company doctor tells her sister that she has syphilis and these and she's horrified because she's a virgin and so apparently uh, once they start talking the other workers that have radi- radium poisoning that have been examined by this doctor are told they have syphilis. Oh. So nobody's talking because Nobody, they're all embarrassed. Because they all think that they have syphilis. Right. So that's how they think they're getting, uh, you know, radium sicker poisoning. and mm-hmm. dying. And uh, the trial that uh, comes out it reveals quite a few things, which I shouldn't say because it's a spoiler alert. But of course yes, but it it's also happen. based on a true story. Right, right. So this company. So the spoiler the, yeah. is history. Yeah. The, the, uh, the company doctor isn't really a doctor. Oh. So that's a big thing. So they're all like. But and then he went on to work for the U.S. Gymnastics Team. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is also a really good movie, Athlete A. So anyway, I would just say that this is good in terms of historical archives, but but nothing, nothing extra, nothing extra. It's just it's no finesse. All right. Well, did you did you watch Synchronic? Did you finish it or not? Um, I I have that on my to do list. Well, we can talk we can talk about it next week. It's not really pressing. But did you watch the Bruce Springsteen I did. video album? Yes, I did. And oh my God, it's so well shot. It's black and white. And I'm a sucker for black and white cinematography. But it has the E Street Band for the first time since Born, in the, USA, born in the USA. The, uh, they're all together in the mm-hmm. studio recording. Right, because the, they have toured. They just haven't done any albums as a full... Right, and two members are in absentia. One of them is Clarence. Clarence passed away. And then the other one is the... Uh, it's not Max the, Weinberg? No, no, no. Not, Max is alive, and he's in this movie. But it's a... Oh, it's a young guy. A young guy? Yeah, and I can't remember his name now. I but Little Steven is in the band. And yeah, Little S- Steven shows up. They're all Patty and... 
and everybody. And it's so wonderful to see them all together. And if you've ever seen Bruce Springsteen in concert, I it have. is a religious experience. And they'll turn the lights on because he'll let the union guys go home, but he still wants to play. And, I mean, it's just an experience. So seeing them all together again just made me verklempt. And, and there's a new album that's out today. It's called Letter to You. And Bruce narrates the beginning of this film as, for 45 years I've had a conversation with people. And this is about continuing that conversation and how essential it is to me and how I do I just want to be heard. And, and he's very philosophical in this. Jake Clemens, Clarence's son, mm. uh place does he play the saxophone yes oh and so that's a really nice part of it and so it's just a wonderful experience and it's on apple tv okay and and the album is out everywhere so you can if you don't want to see it you can still hear it right and bruce is uh the american poet of our time i would say and uh one of them yeah Pretty big. I mean, Dylan, you know, was such a voice in the 60s and the 70s. I would say Bruce is one of the major ones now. But uh, it's, it's, very, it's very inspiring, and it, it's comforting, and you're just glad that he's still at it. So I really enjoy that. Excellent. As people have said to me, he's like, hey, Bruce Springsteen released an album just for your birthday. And I said, I'm in the liner notes. Just look. Happy 50th. And uh, 50th birthday. 50th anniversary of me going around the sun. Yes, but that's exciting. You were born in 1970. Do you know uh, when you were born what the big song was or what the big movie was at the time? Um, I think it was Joy to the World. I would, that would be my guess too. Three Dog Night. Uh Jeremiah was a bullfrog, you know, all that. Uh, And I was born at uh, 235 at Jewish Hospital, not... BJC, Barnes, right? But but it still it's still Barnes Jewish Hospital, but now it's just BJC, right? Well, my my uh, one of my best friends began her career as a nurse at Jewish, and went to Jewish School of Nursing when they were separate, and and so. it was there, and I was there, and uh, my wife put the birth announcement that was in the local. I'm not sure if it was the Globe or the Post, which one that had the birth announcement in there, and but she posted it on the face page today. I saw it. I I and so she reveals your whole name. Yeah, Isidore Carl Middleman the second, because Isidore Carl Middleman the first was the team doctor for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he had passed uh, almost a little more than two years before that. So I'm named after my late grandfather. Aha! I wondered that when I saw that name, I thought, is that Carl's grandpa? It it was. So. Still, well, it still is, but he's he has passed. Chris. Yes. On that note, thank you for coming in today. Right. It's been swell. All right. What can we? Well, we've got a couple movies real quick to mention. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have the documentary, The Way I See It, about the. Oh, it was on MSNBC last Friday. And you have one more chance to see it tonight, 11 p.m. on MSNBC. Thanks to you, I watched it. It's a really wonderful film. It's not just about the Obama years, but it's predominantly the Obama years. Yeah, but he started as a Reagan photographer. Right, and it shows Reagan, and it shows how politics were back in the day, which is always good to remember. And then it shows the photographer having a 
political awakening. Yeah, he's never going to work as, again as a political photographer because no, of he his Instagram. His he, Instagram. He, he does. He admits he crossed the line. He said he's not going to get hired again. Right. Well, he wrote the book Shade. Yes. Well, he didn't come up with that. People people started calling him that once his Instagram posts went out. Right. And so, and then he made a book about it, and this is the documentary of how all that came about. Right. I think it's also on um, it's also on uh, video on demand. And uh, another movie that comes on video on demand is, uh, and we can talk about this next week, is Memories of Murder on Bong Joon-ho. October 27th. And I will have more to say because I saw it last night. I have more to talk about that. Now, is this is this more Parasite or more Snowpiercer? It's more Parasite. Good. But well no, I wouldn't say that. It's it's just based on a real serial killer. And they found the real serial killer. But it shows how the style. Uh, this was 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. This film, no, 17 years ago this film was made, 2003. It, and and Neon is re-releasing it. And who, it shows who released Parasite his and style. Snowpiercer. It shows how he puts humor mm-hmm. and pop culture references. There wasn't a and, lot of humor in Snowpiercer. No. But I like Snowpiercer. I'm not a fan. Oh, but anyway, I didn't see the uh, um, TV show. Uh, real quick, this weekend, Adele's going to host SNL. She is going to be the host, and her, H-E-R, is going to be the musical guest. So don't expect Adele to come out with new songs. She's the she's the host. And she and she did the previews, uh, the promos in an American accent. So interesting have you guys seen the the new uh uh trailer for animaniacs i have not i'm excited i am too i was never an anime i was too old because i'm 50 now and um i was too old when animatics came out on the wb so i never really got into them in even though i know i i've been told that i should and i it's, it's classic but they're making new ones yeah, so um, thanks, Chris, and we look forward to signing up for some of the films. Yes, tell us where online we can go to make sure that we are part of SLIF. <clears throat> the all roads lead to SLIF, virtual SLIF, through the uh, org website, and that will lead you then, uh, has all the information about the films and the dates and times, then it will lead you right to the portal um, and get you signed up. There's, a, like I said, a couple extra steps if you haven't done it yet to figure out how to get the thing streamed the best to your TV. But once you do, you could spend lots of time <laughs> watching uh, movies from now through uh, November 22nd. It's just a hoop or two to jump through, but then once you're through the initial hoops, less hoops. Yes. Yeah, once you once you do it one time, then you, you got it down. Yes. yes. Lynn, where can we find you, young lady? I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times, and now we have a print edition. Yay. Every Friday. And uh, I am on KTRS every Thursday night with Ray Hartman at 10.30. You can find me on the Intercom family of radio stations, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern, and I'm also on the Max on Movies podcast, too. Right, and Max talked about what you guys are going to talk about tomorrow night. Yeah, we are. And I do have my own website, poplifestl.com, which is is a work in progress. Chris, thank you for coming in once again. We appreciate you. Always fun. Thanks. And happy birthday, Carl. Thank you. Thank you. I'm old. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Shop local. Sport local. Be well.
We'll talk to Chris Clark from Cinema St. Louis in just a minute, and then we'll talk Borat, subsequent movie film, and then Over the Moon around minute 24, around minute 31, Once Upon a Snowman, and then around minute 32, we'll talk to Joe Hanrahan about his one-man show, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, then a movie called Shithouse around minute 43. Then we'll talk to Chris about Sliff and the 50th Golden Anniversary series, and then Radium Girls around one hour and five minutes. We'll tease Synchronic, and then we'll talk about Bruce Springsteen's new video album, Letter to You, around one hour and nine minutes, and then we'll wrap it up with My Birthday. 